Good morning, Kavanaugh. Welcome to the Lord's house. Will you stand with us? Let's worship this morning. Our first song is, He Has Done Great Things. Amen.
And we do celebrate this morning the faithfulness of our God, the one who has conquered sin and death and the grave has rose from it and today sits on heaven's throne. And because of that, you and I can meet here in this place and celebrate him. Amen? Amen. We love our Jesus. It's so good to see everyone this morning here at Kavanaugh, this very crisp and cold November Sunday morning. It's so good to see you guys. We're thankful that you're here. That you here. We have been praying for you all week that God just moves in this place. And our encounter with him is truly special today, right? I hope you've been praying that way too because God is going to do some remarkable things today. We'll welcome a few of our guests. I know I met a couple in the lobby this morning. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we love our church and we love this place that we have that God has given us. And we want to make sure that you know about all the things that are going on. So there are a couple ways that you can do that. Um, if, there, if you would, in the back of your chair back, there's like a little connect card. Fill that out for us and then right after service, take it to this welcome counter. And we would love to connect with you and your family um, and your friends that you have brought this morning and tell you a little, all about our church. The other way really quick cool way that we've been uh, kind of pushing and promoting is our um, week at Kavanaugh newsletter. And you can sign up for this by going to these iPads out these back doors and get like everything right there in your email uh, inbox at the start of your week so you know what's going on and how you can direct others to the places they could be um, as well. All right. We, we have all, things for all people here. And we want to make sure that everyone is connected. All right. Love you guys. And again, thank you. Thankful so much that you are here this morning to celebrate and worship with us. I'm going to invite you all to stand and we're going to ask God's anointing on our service. But before we do, I I just want to tell you something. God is ready to meet us here today. All right, He is. Whether there's somebody here that doesn't believe, because there could be. There could be someone who has not yet had put their faith and trust in Jesus. There might be a couple of us here that might be lacking in the faith and trust department. I've been there. God's ready to meet you. God's ready to meet those of us who are on the, that are, are kicking it strong and, and fighting the good fight and just pressing on. He's, he's ready to meet you this morning. He's ready to meet those who are brokenhearted today and might be having a couple struggles in life. He's ready to meet you. For those of us in this room today, God is ready to meet us and to bring us in to hold you close and love you to death. All right? Don't forget that today. Make this morning something special. Open your heart and let him pursue after you. Let's pray. Lord, I love you again. I'm so thankful that you brought us together today here at Kavanaugh. Lord, I just ask for your, again, your anointing on this service today. And that as, as the word is preached and as we continue to be led in worship and as we join in, God, I pray that you just receive all of us. You just, you, that we are able to open up and be vulnerable to your spirit today and that you just take over and, 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 and as your spirit blows at where it wills, God, I just pray that we relax and we focus on you in your presence today and we let you speak to us, God. You have an amazing word that's going to be spoken today, God, and as our pastor comes and preaches that word, allow our hearts to be tender to you. We love you so much. Thank you for this day and for our church in your name. Amen. Hey, greet one of those around you real fast, and then we'll get right back into it. Good to see you guys.
morning have been talking about the glory and the honor and the power that is due to Jesus name quoted the scripture before but it's perfect for this song It's Revelation 411 thou art worthy O Lord to receive glory and honor and power for thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure 
they are and were created. We are the greatest creation and possession of Jesus Christ. And he longs for us to desire to have a relationship with him. He made us that way. And he desires that we offer up praise to him because there, there is none other like our God, amen? He is worthy of glory, honor, and power. And as we sing this last song, just let it be a declaration of your praise to him. He is worthy.
have given us the freedom to come into your very throne with our request and with our praise. Lord, I pray that it's genuine, it's from the heart. Father, that you would accept our praise and our worship this morning. Lord, we know that you are the source of all good things and that everything that we have is bestowed on us because of you and because of your goodness. Lord, help us to be reminded this morning that you are the one and only you are the one who deserves any glory, any honor, any praise. And we as a congregation this morning just want to praise you and lift you up high. We praise you in this place today in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you say amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Amen and amen. What a great job, praise team. Give them another big hand, would you? Appreciate them and their ministry. It's good to see you here today. Everybody okay? Everybody okay? Boy, they knocked it out of the park today. It reminded me of the sixth inning of the World Series last night when Houston Astros hit that home run and won it. Y'all weren't watching that, were you? You were too depressed because of what happened to, I won't even go there, right? Hey, I'm glad that you're here today. What an interesting day and and topic of discussion today. We're working through our core values. If you walk out these doors and look at that back wall, we have all seven core values of Kavanaugh Church. I like to say if you cut us open, we would bleed those core values. It's what we believe, what we stand for, what we hold dear to our hearts. And today, we're on the core value of unity. Did you know that we're better together? We are. God made us that way. God made me to need you and for you to need me. We need one another. People need people. That sounds interesting, doesn't it, Stacey? It's because it's a song, all right? Uh, Every day when I was working out in my gym, I I played Cain music, C-A-I-N. Do you all know Cain, the group Cain? Uh, it's two sisters and a brother. Their last name happens to be Cain, C-A-I-N. They write some incredible songs, and they have some, some great vocals, great harmony. One of the songs that they sing is People Need People. Do y'all know this song? Y'all need to get out more. That's what y'all need to do. <laughs> people Need People. I'm not going to sing it for you, and I know that is very disappointing because y'all love to hear my singing voice, but I am going to read verse 1 to you of People Need People. You can go and build a mighty mansion, but with no family, all that house just goes to waste. You can fix a feast to feed an army, but with no friends, there's no need to celebrate. Back in the beginning, there were two in the garden. No, we were never made to be alone. God knows people need, people need, people need people. To the Father, there's nothing better than when the kids all come together. People need, people need, people need people. 
When there's nothing but love between us, we can finally start to see what God knows. People need people. And they do. People need God made us that way. You were not meant to do life alone. And if you're out there trying to do life alone, I can guarantee you you're struggling And you're getting beat up every week by the world and by our arch enemy, the devil. He's as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And God made us to need one another. It it brought to my mind this morning, Ecclesiastes chapter 4. It says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and does not have another to lift him up. We need one another. Because let me tell you, we stumble and we fall. Listen to verse 12. And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Can I tell you something? If you grew up in Corning, Arkansas, you knew not to mess with the archers because they were this tight-knit little family. And if you mess with little bitty baby Kelly Archer, his big sister, Miss Angie, was going to take care of you. People need people. People need people. It reminds me of that scene in, in The Lone Ranger when the Lone Ranger and Tonto were going through this canyon. And there were Native Americans on either side of the mountain. They were dressed in their war paint and on their horses ready to do battle. And the Lone Ranger was a little bit nervous. And so he said to Tonto, what are we going to do, Tonto? To which Tonto replied, what do you mean we, white man? (laughs) That went over better in first service. Maybe y'all don't know the Lone Ranger. We need one another because the enemy is out there wanting to devour us. And we're better together when we're unified. I'm ready to get deep. Are you ready to go deep? Y'all ready for some deep theology? Raise your hand if you're ready. Say, I'm ready. ready. Let's go. Well, let's go. Let me start with some pretty deep theology. It's a cartoon by Peanuts (laughs) by Schultz. So here's Lucy. That's old Linus sitting there watching TV. Lucy comes in and says, switch channels. And he just keeps watching TV. He's totally oblivious to Lucy behind him. I said, switch channels. I want to watch my program. Now, we're not going to go there. I'm not going to ask you how many of y'all can relate to a scene like that. We won't even go there. Are you kidding, Linus says? What makes you think you can just walk right in here and take over? She was a little bossy, wasn't she? These five fingers individually they're nothing but when I curl them together like this into a single unit they form a weapon that is terrible to behold which channel do you want he he learned his lesson he knew and there he is sighing because now she's in charge and then he asked his fingers why can't you guys get organized like that huh and my question is why can't we Why can't we come together to be united as the body of Christ? Because when we are together, there is not a force on planet earth that can withstand the unity of the body of Jesus Christ. There's an old story that 
talks about a father who had a family of quarrelsome sons. I, I think there are probably five of them. One day he called all of his sons before him and picking the oldest and strongest, handed him a stick and said, snap it. The son did so with a gesture of contempt. So the father handed him two sticks, snapped them, he said, and again the son did so. The old man handed him an ever-increasing number of sticks and demanded him to break them, a bundle of four, five, six. Soon the young man was having to strain to snap all of the sticks, and finally he had to admit defeat. Unity is strength, the old man told his sons. A house divided cannot stand. Anyone can overthrow you one by one. But when you stand together in unity, your united strength will give your enemies a second thought. Church, listen to me. People need, people need people. We need one another. And when we stand together, we're strong. We're better together. And that brings me to our passage for this morning. I, I tried to preach on some other passage because I've preached on Psalms 133 before, but I kept coming back to it. Here is the epitome of unity. It's Psalms 133. Let me read this passage to you. The Bible says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard. Yes, the beard of Aaron running down to the very edges of his garment. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing. And what is the blessing? Life forevermore. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would pour unity upon this congregation. Help us, dear Lord, to be at one with you and with each other. In Jesus' name, amen. This little psalm is all about true unity. And these three verses teach us three lessons about God's unity. First of all, it is well-pleasing. Look again at verse number one. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. I want to direct you to that first word, the word behold. Behold draws our attention to this truth. It's saying this, hey guys, look at this. Hey, check this out. Notice this. When God's people get along with each other, it is both good and it is pleasant. Somebody say, wow. Wow, it is. It's good and it's pleasant. Now, there are many things that are good, but they're not very pleasant. Are you with me? Some foods are good for you, but they're not very pleasant. I got into a little argument with my wife this morning in the first service, right in the middle of the first service. I, I just thought of this. It's, it's not, Kyle, it's never good when I just think of something and say it. I, I need to think it through before I come in here. So, but I said, I thought of this when I just said that. I, th I thought, my son Zane, he used to hate to eat anything green. And what I said in first service is, my son Zane is 25 years old now. To which Angie just, and now Whitney's doing it. They're taking their head. He's not 25. 
I was just estimating his age. You know, and Angie was shaking her head, no, he's 22, and yeah, she's right, he's 22, about to turn 23, but you know what, he's about 25. I mean, when you get as old as I am, age is, you know, it really doesn't matter, does it? I mean, he's in his young 20s, but I can remember when Zane was just a little kid, Stacy, he hated anything that was green. Angie couldn't even put it on his plate. No green beans, no broccoli, no lettuce. What did he call it? Green coenies. I don't know where he came up with that word. It, it's not a word, is it? Do you all know what a coeni is? Zane made it up. He said, get that green coenie off of my plate. Even though it was good for him, it was not pleasant in his mouth, and he refused to eat it. You know, discipline and correction is good for you, but it's not very pleasant. Going on a diet may be good for you, but it's not very pleasant. Working out is good for you, but it's not very pleasant. And on the other hand, there are some things that are pleasant, but they're not very good for us. In fact, the Bible talks about that. The Bible says there is pleasure in sin. And there is. I mean, listen to me. I'm just being real with you. Dan, can I be real with you? I'm just being real with you. There's pleasure in sin. If sin were not fun, people wouldn't do it. And as prosecuting attorney, you know this. People do silly things, don't they? And it's fun, it's enjoyable. The warning that God gives, there is pleasure in sin. It may be fun, but it's only for a short season. And then there's payday. It may be pleasurable, but it's not good. Here is something that is both morally good and emotionally pleasant. What is it? Getting along with other people. Hmm. Now suppose, I'm going to give you three supposes. Suppose on um, Tuesday afternoon you get an email and a text message both at the same time. It's from two different families, and they are inviting your family to their house on Friday night for dinner. So all of a sudden, you didn't have any plans for Friday night. All of a sudden, Tuesday afternoon, here you got two invitations to go over to two different families' houses for dinner. Both of them said come at 6 o'clock. So what are you going to do? You can't go to both houses, Ronnie. You've got to make a decision. And as you contemplate this, you're feeling all these emotions inside your body because of what your head knows. Your head knows that if you go to this one house with this one family, there's going to be nothing but bickering and friction and fighting going on because you've been over there before and you know what it's like. You know that the husband and wife can't get along with each other. They argue with their kids and their kids argue with their parents. And you know, even though it might be a good meal, there's going to be World War III that breaks out. And you're going to come home from that experience and you're just going to be worn out. On the other hand, you know if you go to this other family, it's going to be a great time. They're happy people. They love each other. Mealtime at their house is always a joy. And when you get home, you're going to be refreshed and feel good about life and the world. Which house are you going to? Or what about this? Suppose this. Suppose you had to choose between two different ball teams. You're a good athlete. 
Barbie, you're a great athlete. You, you played on all kinds of softball teams. And so there's two different teams that want you to play. And you've got to make a decision on which team you're going to join. You know that one team is full of egomaniacs. They're very competitive, but they, don't, they just don't like playing with other people. It's all about them. And so they're ball hogs. They don't get along with each other. Every game there's a fight. People go home mad. Or you could choose the other team, which is full of great athletes, and they understand the importance of playing together as a team. They're not only going to look good, they're going to make you look good. And you know what? After it's all over with, they always go to hideaway pizza and enjoy fellowship with each other. They order a half pollinator, half big country. Right there it is. That's what we always get. And they enjoy their time with each other. Tell me, which team are you going to join? Hmm? How about number three? Suppose this. Suppose you could go to one of two different churches. You walk into one church and you know there's going to be trouble because you can just sniff it out. You can feel it. This church is fragmented and divided. The members are always fighting with one another. They have a once-a-month business meeting, and they have knock-down, drag-out arguments over whether or not they're going to buy toilet paper for the bathroom or not. The other church is filled with members who genuinely love each other dearly, and they like to hang around with each other in the lobby after church is over. In fact, they stay so long out there that the pastor has to flick the lights so that they'll leave. Which church would you rather attend? Let me, let me say it like this. Behold how good and how pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. It is both good and it is pleasant. Number two, it's not only well-pleasing, it's sweet-smelling. Look with me at verse number two. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, that is a, a pretty interesting picture that he's drawing there. And, and it's one that, I, believe you me, I would have never thought of. If somebody were to ask you to draw a picture that illustrated unity, what would you draw? What would you draw? Maybe, maybe you would draw a picture of a mosaic. A thousand pieces of tile that united together form a beautiful picture. That, that would be a good picture, wouldn't it? If you asked me to draw a picture of unity, I would, I'd draw a picture of, of all these people from all countries and creeds and languages, red, yellow, black, and white, and they're all holding hands singing Kumbaya. Because to me, that is unity. But would you have ever thought of drawing a picture of Aaron the high priest being anointed with oil? I don't think so. There must be something really significant about this, something that requires a little bit of time on our part to understand and to study. Here's the deal. In the Old Testament, God created this ordinance, a symbol to signify the setting apart of certain objects or people for divine service. And this symbol was being anointed with oil. 
The oil represented the Holy Spirit coming upon someone or something, sanctifying and setting it apart so that that person could be used for something that is holy unto God. I'm reminded of in the Old Testament when Samuel anointed young David as king of Israel. This young shepherd boy knelt in front of the prophet Samuel, and Samuel took this flask of olive oil and poured it all over David's head. It ran down his face and his hair onto his clothing. It was symbolic of the fact that the Holy Spirit of God was coming upon young David both to equip him and empower him to do the work that God had called him to do. In fact, we read of several times when these kinds of anointings took place in the Old Testament. What's being referred to here in Psalm 133 is the anointing that occurred in Leviticus chapter 8. When Moses had led the children of Israel out of Egyptian captivity and they stopped at Mount Sinai, where God gave them the Ten Commandments, the law, the various instructions about setting up their nation and their religious life. God instructed Moses to appoint his brother Aaron as high priest and to anoint Aaron with oil, signifying the blessing of the Holy Spirit, not only on that particular job and office, but also on Aaron's life. And so we read about this in Leviticus chapter 8. Here's what this passage says. Then Moses took the anointing oil and anointed the tabernacle and everything in it and so consecrated all of these objects. He sprinkled some of the oil on the altar seven times, anointing the altar and all of its utensils and the basin with its stand to consecrate them. He poured some of the anointing oil on Aaron's head and anointed him to consecrate him. Now here's what you need to know about this oil. This was a unique, sweet-smelling, perfumed oil. As Aaron knelt in submission before the Lord, Moses slowly poured up to a gallon of this oil on Aaron's head. It ran down his face, it ran down his beard, through his clothing, and also it ran on the fringes of his garment. It covered him with this very unique and wonderful fragrance. It smelled good. And David said here in Psalm 133, that is what the unity of the body of Jesus Christ is like. It's something the Holy Spirit does as he is poured out upon the church, saturating and drenching the people of God, making us one and bestowing on us this wonderful, sweet-smelling fragrance. Because that's what unity is. It's something that smells good. I'm telling you, you can smell it when you walk into a church. If a church is united, it just just smells good because you know what? The Holy Spirit is on that place. The Holy Spirit fills the sanctuary, the, the auditorium, the worship center. 
the Holy Spirit is on the worshipers there. And it is a sweet-smelling fragrance. Now, with that in mind, it smells good. With that in mind, let me read to you Ephesians chapter 4, verses 30 through 32. Here's what Paul says. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed. That word sealed means anointed. With whom you were anointed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God has forgiven who? You. In other words, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you have made Jesus both your Savior and your Lord, you have been anointed with the fragrant oil of the Holy Spirit of God. And so my warning to you this morning is, don't stink it up. Don't mess it up. Don't turn something God has called good into something that is foul. Don't turn something that is sweet-smelling into something that stinks. Don't ruin the unity that God wants us to have by coming in these doors with an angry, bitter, brawling attitude. Don't stink this place up. Is that clear? Because that's what unity is like. It is like this sweet-smelling perfumed oil that was poured on Aaron's head. It's that same sweet fragrance that the Holy Spirit has poured on Kavanaugh Church. Awesome. Now, Psalm 133 goes on to say that this kind of unity is not only well-pleasing in verse 1 and sweet-smelling in verse 2, but it's also life-giving. We read that in verse number 3. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing. And what is the blessing? Life forevermore. Now, to me, this is another interesting word picture of the benefits of Christian unity. Mount Hermon is the highest mountain range in Israel. In, in fact, it, it's actually a tall range of mountains on the Israeli, Lebanese, and Syrian border. This summer when Angie and I were in the Holy Lands, we went, we, we left Tiberias and we went up north and we saw Mount Hermon. I was waiting to see this mountain. It, it, it rises 9,200 feet above sea level. And they say that at any given time throughout the year, it's going to be snow capped. There's always snow on top of this mountain. It, it always has rain and dew. And so here it was in the month of June. It was 100 degrees down there where we were. And as we drove by and in the distance, I saw Mount Hermon. Sure enough, there was snow up there. This moisture that is there year-round runs off into the streams and the small rivers that flow into the Jordan River. And you know the Jordan River. You've heard of it. It, it flows from north to south right through the Holy Lands. It goes into the Sea of Galilee and then out of the Sea of Galilee ends down in the Dead Sea. It irrigates and it gives life to all of Israel. And we literally followed it from 
the north all the way to the south, as far as that river could go, where it ends in the Dead Sea, and all through the Jordan Valley, it was plush and green. Some of the greatest fruit and vegetables are grown in that Jordan River Valley. Mount Hermon literally brings life to the desert. And the psalmist was saying, that's the way it is with the unity of the Holy Spirit. It brings life. Can I tell you something, church? A marriage, your marriage, if it is strong and united, is giving life. But a marriage that is divided is dying. A church that is united and strong flourishes, and it gives life to others. But a church that is divided, it's dying. A denomination that is united and strong is a powerful force. Why? Because we're better together. But one that is divided and fragmented is dying. You see this every week on TV, a sports team or an organization of any kind that is united in heart and mind is a force to be reckoned with. It's like my five fingers coming together. But when people become negative and critical and unloving and unforgiving, they begin to die. I got to thinking as I was writing this, I, I wonder if somebody in this room today has walked through these doors and you have a bitter, angry, critical spirit to you. Well, you need the Holy Spirit's help as you seek to trust God with those things or those people who have created that anger inside of you. But number two, you need to deal with it. You know what? If you come in here with this bitter, angry, critical spirit, you are a walking time bomb when you should be a sweet-smelling sacrifice. I believe the Holy Spirit is powerful enough to help you with this. I believe that Jesus Christ is real enough to give you an overcoming attitude because let me tell you something there is nothing that is impossible with God all things are possible with him nothing too hard for him even your stinking attitude behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity it is well pleasing it is sweet smelling it is life giving it's like the perfumed oil that ran down Aaron's head it is like the refreshing waters of Mount Hermon that irrigates the valleys of life. And can I just say something to you as if it were just me and you, nobody else around? Can, do I have the freedom to do that? My word of advice to you is, is a part of Kavanaugh Church, and not only Kavanaugh Church, the body of Christ. My advice is this. Don't allow the devil to use you to stink up what God has made beautiful. Because the devil is looking for tools that he can use to cause fragmentation in the family of faith. 
I'm reminded of Proverbs chapter 6. It tells us there are six things God hates. Did you know that verse is in the Bible? Literally, six things that God hates, and it lists all six. And then it says, seven are an abomination to him. That means the seventh one is the worst one. You know what the worst one is? The abomination, number seven? Those who sow seeds of discord among the brethren. God hates it. God hates it. Don't let the devil use you to stink up what God is doing in the kingdom of God. Bring your frustrations to Jesus and trust him to do what he alone can do. Jesus has enough power to heal your home, to restore your relationships, to give us patience, to give us love, and to make us one. But for that to happen, there must be unity between you and God. You have to be one with the Father. And the Bible is is very specific about this. The Bible says the only way that you can be one with the Father, the only way you can have a relationship with God the Father is through His Son, Jesus Christ. You must accept Jesus as your Savior. Trust Him as your Lord. Invite Him into your heart. You must be born again. And we believe that's as simple as A, B, C. A, admit that you're a sinner. Can I tell you? You are. (laughs) We all are. Believe that only Jesus can save us. He's the only one who can. And see with our mouth, confess he is the Lord of our life. If you've never done that, I plead with you, do that today. Become one with the Father. And then make sure nothing is stinking in your life. Make sure your relationships are what they should be. Maybe you came in here today and before you you came to church, you had an extra hour at the house, you used it arguing with your family. That stinks in the body of Christ. Fix it today. Maybe, Maybe there's an issue with somebody else in this church. Maybe words have been spoken or you've worn your feelings on your sleeve and you've been, here's the word, offended. Can I say, get over it. Work through it. Don't stink up what God has made beautiful. And the place to do that is right down here, man. So would you come this morning and do business with God? And let's all be anointed by his sweet-smelling Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, do something special in this room and in our lives today. Please, dear God. For that person who needs to be saved, I pray that they would come today and accept you as Savior and Lord. Lord, for those who are away from you, I pray, dear Lord, they would come home today. For those who are having relationship problems, whether it be in their family or with friends or even in this fellowship, I pray, dear Lord, that we would deal with ourselves this morning and take care of business with you. Lord, however you direct, I I pray that your will would be done and that we would all sense the freedom that we have to come to these altars and pray. We're all in need. We all need 
Help us, dear Lord, to come to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed? Praise team's going to sing. As soon as you stand up, come on, let's, let's come together and pray right now. Come on. Lord, we know that you're in this place. We know the Holy Spirit is filling this house. I pray, dear Lord, that you would just speak to each one of us individually. Show us the importance of being at one with you and with each other. Lord, I'm so thankful for Kavanaugh Church. We prize unity here. We know that we're better together. Dear Lord, I pray that you would impress upon our minds and hearts that the devil wants to fragment us, divide us. Lord, help us to never give in to that temptation. Help us, dear Lord, to seek your spirit and your will. And if we do have a problem with somebody else, whether they be in our family or in this church, that we prayerfully go to them and talk to them and work things out with them within the body of Jesus. Help us, dear Lord, to keep smelling sweet. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Thanks so much for being here today. Next week, we're going to finish this series on uh, the core values of Kavanaugh Church. So when you walk out the door, look at the board across the way and look at that last core value. That's the one we're going to talk about next week. When you walk out the door, drop your offering in one of those black boxes. Tuesday, get out and vote. I mean, we need you to vote Christian values. Adopt a Missionary has begun full steam ahead. If you would like to give this morning for Adopt a Missionary Kid, you can do that in the offering. Just uh, make sure you Uh, note your check, A-A-M, and it'll get to the right place. What we've done is adopt home missionary kids. Uh, We've got so many home missionaries starting churches in the United States, we had to divide the list in half. This year we're going to do half the families, next year the other half, and this Christmas season we're going to provide Christmas for our home missionaries' children. And there's a whole slew of them. I think there's 46, 48 kids plus 30 from Puerto Rico that we're giving to this year. So you give as much as you can, 
and we're going to provide Christmas for these wonderful kids. Also, we worship signups are taking place for next year. You think, next year? Hey, man, next year is almost here. It's November, guys. So we need you to sign up for We Worship. It is a tremendous blessing. If I didn't have to preach to you on Sunday morning, I'd be signing up for We Worship. You know the coolest thing about doing that? Is if, if you get to actually teach some of those kids that are a little bit older who can talk, you can find out all kinds of things. <laughs> a lot of secrets. And it's, anyway, that's little incentive to sign up. No, back there at the kid check counter, they're, they're taking signups right now for those who want to uh, be on that list. Would you pray about, no, you know what, don't even pray about it, just go do it. You can give one Sunday uh, a quarter to helping take care of our babies back there, so please go and do that. I want you to pray for Miss Maisie Little. Early this morning, Maisie fell and hit her head. Uh, that family is at the hospital right now. They were doing a CT scan on Maisie during the first service. I haven't heard the results, but do pray for Maisie Little. As I was preaching just a moment ago, Fred Trobal, who's had severe heart problems lately, had to leave the service. I don't know the condition of Fred, but I imagine it had something to do with his heart. So please pray for Brother Fred as well. Will you do that? Know today when you leave this place, you are loved. I love you. The staff loves you. Most of all, God loves you. So please, when you get out there this week, don't stink it up. Get out of here.